from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to It's All Political, the Chronicle's politics podcast. Today's guest is Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, who we met at the Presidio here in San Francisco. And we talked about the Olympics, what it's going to mean for San Francisco and the Bay Area. We talked about him being a Lakers fan and a Dodgers fan. And we talked about him running for president, maybe, or Senate, or governor, or something. And his answer was very interesting. I'm Joe Garofoli, and this is It's All Political. We're here with Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, who is in San Francisco because he wants to be near a winning basketball team. Is that, is that accurate? Is that, I don't just know. Slaney. Well, I, it was for so many years, we had so many crowns. I just wanted to see my brothers and sisters up north enjoy You wanted to share them. Share them well. Share them well. Okay. I'm rooting for California once Southern California is out of them. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, speaking of sports, in July, you learn whether Los Angeles gets the 2024 Olympics, correct? correct? So we'll learn in September, in uh, September. but July there will be a vote to possibly allow two cities, the last two left, LA and Paris, to win the next two in September. So if they vote that system through, it's pretty much assured we have an Olympics, and then uh, the only uh, discussion is 24 or 28. President uh, Trump right now on his first major international trip. Um, what? How has the perception of him mm-hmm. from around the world affected or how do you fear mm-hmm. it might affect uh, Los Angeles' bid? Is it, do you get any? You feel, I've heard you say yeah. you feel a little blowback on that. No, you know the Olympics uh, primarily. I was worried about that, but my private conversations with most of the voting members, they just want to make sure that we're going to have the participation of the federal government and everybody will be in there. And I think we checked that box a couple weeks ago when the evaluation commission came through. We had the deputy secretary of Homeland Security, FBI, all the partners saying that they would take care of the security aspect and supportive letters from the White House. It's really something that transcends politics, so both parties, both houses, and the administration have all been very supportive of everything we need, and it's enough in the future that it's not about the present politics, it kind of transcends that. And we see Olympics go to all sorts of governments in all sorts yes. of countries. It's really about the strength of the bid. So no concerns about that. No. Los Angeles, you're just, actually you're just here at the Bay Area Council mm-hmm. speaking about some of the things that Los Angeles passed last fall. Uh, the city, uh, the county passed the uh, 40-year, $120 billion uh, infrastructure bond. Yeah. The last time we talked, you said you've spoken to the president several mm-hmm. times, yep. and that was probably a month after he took yep. office, about uh, various things. Mm-hmm. You were recently back in Washington. Mm-hmm. What have your interactions with the president been on, mm-hmm. on all sorts of matters? The, the, uh, the Olympics, mm-hmm. infrastructure, Tell us how you've been connecting with him. And how many times have you spoken to him at this point? I haven't spoken to him since he became president directly. Okay. But I've been interacting with the administration and, um, and standing up against it. Um, yes. You know, it's been uh, a wide range. We've had some great partners on infrastructure, transportation. Gary Cohn, uh, his assistant, DJ Gribben, who's working on a national infrastructure package. We've met with them. We've helped shape that. Uh, I testified on Capitol Hill and, uh, and met with Secretary Elaine Chow, who is our transportation secretary. So that's been very positive. Olympics, they've been superb. On the flip side, you know, this immigration madness, we've stood up as strong as any city in America to say we'll defend our immigrants, we'll take you to court, we'll march on the streets. We've won because the Constitution's on our, on our side. Um, practicality and morality is on our side. Mm-hmm. But those have absolutely been distractions from uh, the core work. 
And, um, and so whenever I speak, whether it's through media or other things, I, I say to the president, you know, stop that kind of madness over on this end and let's get to a real discussion about comprehensive immigration reform. Um, it's the cities that have immigrants have the strongest stake in safe streets and strong economy. So all these myths of what immigrants do, we would experience them first and we're not. These so-called you know, sanctuary city areas, lower unemployment, they're safer um, by and large than the non-sanctuary places. So take that off the table. Listen to your police. They say this is the right way to do policing. But get to the meat of the matter and make history, uh, as we've seen past presidents What's, do. You said upstairs. What, what reaction do you get from that? Um, you know, there's been moments, there's been flashes from the president where he's kind of talked about opening that door to some sort of legal status. We certainly have won, uh, at least for now, the fight on Dreamers, which just a, a year or two ago they were saying deport Dreamers. And... There have been some, a couple worrying instances, but, but generally it has been um, something in which, you know, two Republicans, uh, senators, together with one Democratic senator, have introduced legislation to make permanent or more permanent the legal status of DACA students. So it shows that we're winning some of this. The senators from California introduced the bill, of course, on farm workers. Mm -hmm. So get enough toes on the door to let that foot open the door up widely and then do the right thing. So we've seen moments where he's kind of flashed some of that. Yeah, maybe we'll look at something bigger. And when we first talked, he said, I'm keeping an open mind and uh, I'd like to do something to resolve all of this broken system. That's the same language we use. Mm -hmm. uh, so how close are we to an infrastructure bill? I mean, there's so many, obviously there's so many other yeah. things that the administration's dealing with right now. How close are we? Is this, do you think this could happen this year, early next year? Because, you know, middle of next year, or even the start of next year, nothing's gonna happen in Congress. Well, it, it had better if this administration and Congress and both parties are listening to the American people. Yeah. We can't wait. We have bridges that are falling down. We have traffic. We have need for transit. Um, our pipes, our wires, our ports, our airports demand it. And it's not like we're saying that and come save us. We're not doing anything on our own. In L.A., we're spending $14 billion in an airport, $2.5 billion in a port, uh, $120 billion for transit and roads. Um, stepping up and doing a lot on, on water and power as well. So where are our federal partners? We pay those taxes, but I am not optimistic that it will get done and uh, finished this year. Though I heard some good things when I was there last week that uh, the, the congressional schedule which said at the end of the year, once health care and tax reform is done, we'll take up infrastructure. That the White House may, in the coming three to five weeks, release an infrastructure package. If the White House got behind that conversation, um, having met with leadership of both Democratic and Republican House and Senate, I think there's a deal to make, but it's up to them to say this is a priority. And I think it's a much higher priority for Americans than tax breaks for the rich or taking health care away from the poor. So the, there, you have some hope that something could happen in, in the next few months, maybe the if, if the White House decides to, and if they don't, and if Congress doesn't move on this, you will see hear a louder and louder chorus of mayors and cities saying, get this done, and, and Americans. So I'm helping convene that for the U.S. Conference of Mayors now as the chair of our infrastructure task force and sharing that with the White House that there's Republican and Democratic mayors in all over this country who've already passed a quarter of a trillion dollars in infrastructure in the past few months. Where's Washington? What would have to be in it for you and what would be a deal killer? Because this could be an infrastructure bill that could be full of tax breaks or, or, or public-private uh, partnerships that aren't uh, working. What are, some, what are some red flags for you and what are some things that must be in it? I think it's a deal breaker if it's just about private leverage um, because you can't, there's certain things the private marketplace won't do. They, they will step up and help us do things like accelerating transit lines. They can sometimes help us with power, 
but they're not going to do sewage lines. It, there's no bridge because we're not going to turn them into toll bridges. I mean, we have to get those things done. So it has to be a combination of grants and those existing grants that unfortunately many were zeroed out in the president's budget that came out today for things like new starts or traditional categories that cities and states go to and some of that leverage. So Democrats need to get off the high horse of saying, oh, all P3s are bad. We're doing a ton of P3s in LA for our convention center, our airport. We still retain... Give it, for the for the layperson, what is a P3? P3 is the public-private partnership, okay. my apologies. Um, and, you know, we get those things done quicker. Denver is a great example. They have a new rail line from downtown Denver to the airport. 75% of the cost, seven years quicker, and they still own it. It's not given away to some company. So um, we need to be open to that sort of leverage. On the flip side, if Republicans think that they're just going to repatriate money from a tax deal and put it in an infrastructure bank and every dollar will leverage $40 from private investment, we're not going to actually rebuild the infrastructure we need. There's a place for some of both, but it cannot be um, one or the other. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about politics here. Uh, next month, you're going to be keynoting the Wisconsin Democratic mm -hmm. Party Convention, a very big swing state. The other day, you were invited, uh, one of several Democrats invited to speak at the Center for American Progress Ideas Conference. Among the others, Kristen Gillibrand, Senators Kristen Gillibrand, Amy Klobuchar, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, throwing Adam Schiff and Tom Steyer. And it looks a little bit like Iowa 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Grover Cleveland, the last and only mayor to be elected president. Hypothetically. Didn't know that. <laughs> that was the rest of the... <laughs> good trivia. Uh, yeah, that was good trivia. I looked that up. I Wikipedia that. I thought uh, it was like, none. No, it was none. Just, Go Cleveland. So you would, you would not be the first. But, but not for the NBA finals. Yeah, yeah, so very good. Um, could have, what would be the challenges of a mayor running for president and being president? Well, let me be clear. Hy I'm, hypothetically. Uh, I'm more obsessed with this country's future than my own. Yes. And my involvement nationally is not about something I'll run for. It's about making sure that we have representation, uh, a White House that represents right. us, infrastructure package and things like that. I do think that people are looking for folks who know how to manage and get things done. Uh, governors, mayors are executives that have to produce. And part of what I talked about here today is, you know, in Los Angeles, we had this ambitious portfolio and we got them all passed of investing in higher education, investing in green space, investing in ending homelessness and investing in housing investing in transportation and middle-class jobs. And um, that isn't that we need somebody to challenge for president. We need to remind people that there are communities getting things done and Washington should emulate us. Mm. So maybe it's more about bringing Washington to the to the mayors than a mayor to Washington. Okay. So is, are you ruling out a run in 2020 then? I never rule out anything, but it seems pretty far-fetched. far, far uh, fetched. Um, People always have you running for things like long before, I'm just going to be sworn in my second term, July 1st, yes. that's what I'm Okay, about. well, I, and, and I also want to ask you, because I talked to uh, Adam Schiff the other day, mm -hmm. we reported today in the Chronicle, that uh, he said he would consider mm -hmm. running if Dianne mm -hmm. Feinstein decides not to run. Would you, that's, does that hold any interest to you, too? Oh, I'll look at governor, I'll, I'd have to look at senator, um, and I'd look at other options. The nice thing for me is I have a five and a half year term. Um, I, my current job is one that, as Bill Clinton said, the two best jobs in politics, or president of the United States and mayor of a big city. And I'll always do as much as I can where I can do the most. And if there's other good people running for things, I never feel a need to, to rush in. Um, so I'm glad somebody like Adam would look at that. I'm glad that you have good people out there. But I'll, I'll always look at those. Um, if I can make an even bigger impact for my city, for my state, my country, I think you're obligated to give it a, a good look. Uh, you were at the Democratic Convention this past weekend, as, as I was in Sacramento. Uh, 
lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. A lot of booing. Uh, National DNC chair Tom Perez was booed. Uh, the uh, John Burton was booed. Of course, we saw how he responded many times with a lot of f bombs. Uh, there are no doubt fishers yeah. in not only in the in the National Party but in the, in the California Party. Uh, you endorsed uh, Secretary Clinton, mm -hmm. but you're also sort of Bernie friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you do to sort of bring everybody together in this? Look, if we turn into a caricature of what our opponents want us to be, look at the Socialist Party in France, look at Labour in England, we will become a permanent opposition party. So we have to actually get out there and make sure that we realize who the enemy is and who our real opponents are. People who would take away a women's right to choose, people who would stop fighting for the environment, people who would take away immigrant rights, um, and more importantly, people who aren't really focused on working class people who need a decent job and a decent retirement and decent housing and decent schools. We have to be less obsessed with a Democratic Party agenda and more obsessed with an American people agenda. And that's something that you know I said at the Center for American Progress, that the more we're fighting with each other, the happier our opponents are. And so these are important things to discuss. Don't back off the fight that you need to have, but also re-engage on the bigger challenges we have, whether it's singling out the president and calling him names, or singling out a Democrat that you don't like because she disagrees with you. That seems to be less productive energy than fighting for the things we believe in. That's where we're going to win. So it can't ask me more about being anti-Trump and, and the resistance. No, I, I think that's an important part. You know, I'm pissed off and part of that resistance. But if that's all you have, then you become the caricature. You become for the base. If you're not engaging with people who voted for Donald Trump and peeling them off, he may just get reelected. We have to actually talk about, get rid of these false dichotomies. Is it identity politics or jobs for coal miners? It's actually for good jobs for everybody. That's a way to unify these so-called two camps. Are you a Bernie person or a Hillary person? Well, they both had some really good things and we need to mind the best, but we also need to do more because the tone of the party isn't speaking enough to the average American. They think we're obsessed with ourselves. If we show that, they'll say, look, Democrats I don't connect with. Mm. And if they do hear, on the other hand, oh, that's a place or a person like we're doing in LA that's investing in alleviating my traffic, making community college free so I'm not in debt, um, fi finding a better quality of life for me, they're like, okay, I trust those folks. And we can turn that in a moment. Uh, the other day we heard that uh, on single payer and here in California, mm -hmm. talking about doing things on our own mm -hmm. and being ahead of, ahead of the game, it would cost $400 billion a year. Uh, this is from the legislative mm -hmm. analysts found this. Um, are you, where are you at on this? I've been supportive of single payer for a long time. And th those big numbers are yeah. you know, almost tailor-made for an opposition ad. Yeah. But if you look at what we spend on healthcare already, it's probably that much or more between what government subsidies already are, what business subsidies are, and what comes out of our own pocket. So if bottom line, we can get a better, more efficient system for cheaper, like most places have, a Medicare for all, or even lowering uh, the age limit as a way of getting to a more universal system. We absolutely need to do that. Every other democracy has figured that out. Every other industrialized democracy has that sort of a system. I've lived, um, you know, when I was a student in England, uh, they had a national health care system that worked well. Um, and if we take the best of kind of American innovation and marry that with something, I think we could be real leaders. Right now, though, the short term, I'm concerned with preserving the Affordable Care Act. Um, we need to have that in place before we get to the other, but I'm absolutely supportive of it and uh, endorse the work that, that uh, Senator Lara is it's doing. sort of a backup plan, just in case. Yeah, the, absolutely. The okay. But it won't happen, obviously, overnight, so we have to preserve what we have in the meantime. Uh, also, uh, cannabis is now legal in, in California. Yes, it is.
Well, can I see it? Okay, <laughs> so no. I'm not holding. He's, I'm not yeah, holding. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not his, holding. His pupils are not. I'm not. Are you holding? I don't, no, 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 no. I'm in the Navy, and we get drug tested. Oh, that's so. that's right. You're still in the reserve. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that I haven't smoked pot, but I do not smoke okay. pot. Okay, right very good. Uh, what What are your biggest concerns about? We're about to unleash this seven billion dollar industry in, in California, um, or surface it, and um, we don't. There's still no way to bank it. Um, and LA has uh, certainly other problems about, with cannabis, but what are your concerns about that? Well, we're going to now come down to the city level. It seems like a state initiative, but it's always been on our backs. When we couldn't control the number of kind of pirate uh, dispensaries that were popping up everywhere, we had to deal with the fact that there are more dispensaries than Starbucks in our city, that it's too easy for kids who shouldn't be you know, right. smoking at 14 and 15 uh, to get pot. I want a good regulatory framework. I'm very supportive of this being legal. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, but just like alcohol, just like even putting Starbucks down, there are rules and regulations and we have to get our, our uh, arms around that and empower cities not to lose money on doing that, but have a source of revenue, put that revenue at least in part back to kind of policing that and to making sure that um, it's not out of control. In terms of um, you know the, the larger issues of banking and stuff, I hope that the federal government, though I'm not very hopeful with Attorney General Sessions will come to their senses, and it's dangerous for our streets to have a lot of people with cash. It invites yeah. organized crime and others to be the bank of choice. Right. This is actually a way to make it safer. This can be a law and order administration, but they got to listen to us about what makes things safer, like having our cops not be immigration agents, uh, having banks that can uh, be there for the dispensaries and things like that, or now the, the outlets. We have to figure out uh, a way that doesn't create more chaos. Mm. This is here, it's here to stay, but I'd hate for us to engage in some sort of pot war with the federal government. They don't have the resources to shut it all down, and we don't have the ability to keep them at bay. So there'll be a lot of kind of innocent people caught up in that if we don't resolve this soon. And, and one more, you said uh, earlier today, we're, you're talking about the, we were talking about the Olympics, mm -hmm. and you said the Bay Area is also going to be part of this. Explain how that will, sure. how, how, how we could see the Olympics here in the Bay Area. So we really talked about this being a bit that's of course about LA, but also about Californian values and Californian innovation. Um, we want a lot of that excitement, whether it's the cultural lead up, whether it's the sports lead up to be um, throughout the state. So we could actually see some of the preliminary qualifying uh, events here. We'd love to see that. That was something, you know, Larry Probst is the chair of the United States Olympic Committee. He's a Bay Area resident. We've talked to him about how to do that. We could even cross the border down to Tijuana and do a San Diego Tijuana match to show, you know, Americans are of the world, from the world, and engage in the world at a time people need to be reminded of that. Look, LA is the most global city in human history, 39 countries with the largest population outside their home country. We love sharing and whatever the Olympics allows us to do, we'll kind of share that within the state and maybe even some places in the United States leading up because this is an American bid. America is such an amazing contributor financially in terms of the athletes and medal count um, and just in spiritual support to the Olympics. That's why we want it to come back to America and we want to show uh, the Olympic movement that all of the United States is behind this, not just one town. Perhaps the basketball could be held here since it's, you know, the, the Lakers are in a bit of trouble. By, by then, I think the Lakers will be back on time. <laughs> that's, that's a full uh, but enjoy seven, while years. Last, yeah. seven years. It, it, seven years. Seven years the Lakers We're patient just like you were patient. When it was showtime, we were know, very patient. the Warriors, you know, were hurting. So <laughs> I never say we should have a monopoly. I just say every, you know, five to ten years we should be back on time. <laughs> okay. Mariko Sede, thank you for spending thank some you. time. Great Take to it easy. You. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our guest was Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, perhaps our next president. 
Read more about local coverage of politics and subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm Joe Garofoli, and no matter where you are or no matter what you're doing, remember, it's all political. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. And our producers are Peter Hartlove, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varellis. It's all political's theme music. We have theme music. It's called Cattle Call by Randy Clark's Crow Song. The Chronicle's Josh Zucker, who is our podcast's musical director, is on bass. If you like what you heard, good news, there's more. Listen to Chronicle podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com backslash podcasts, plural, or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services.